right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, and the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, believe it or not, they are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we are drawn to, and I'm going to share their stories here so that we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, so this is uh, another episode where we have somebody that you may not think this uh, woman is in sales. Um, you know, she is an operations manager for H&M. Uh, she's got an awesome resume. She's she currently co-leads a team of thirty-five that's jumped from nineteen percent to thirty-six percent in performance in under two months. She's managed a remote team that brought in three hundred k in revenue year over year with seven contract renewals. She's secured more than five promotions uh, in three under three years. She's led individuals to achieve you know top uh, instead of goals, and she's coached more than fifty plus frontline and entry-level employees. I am so excited to have none other than Taylor Howard to the podcast. Welcome, Taylor. Thank you, Alex. That was such a nice introduction. Who would not be flattered by that? I really appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like if, if you hated me from the first second, then, um, you know, it wouldn't be a successful interview. So <laughs> I want to be your hype. I'll be your hype man anywhere, Taylor. You Sure. I, I, I was actually needing a hype man. I was in the hiring market. <laughs> okay. Hey, I mean, my resume is uh, available. I can I can use this as my first uh, entryway. Um, cool, cool. So, um, you know, we'll get into kind of your story. I I, I love the fact that um, you know, an operations manager, and we've I, I first met you. It's so funny as an operations manager. I first met you just on kind of um, you know, we do you know weekly sales communities calls uh, on Thursday night sales. I'm like, who is this? awesome girl with this purple hair and maybe I think you were in a NASA shirt or Fila sweatshirt or something. I don't know, but she just didn't look like every other salesperson that I'd seen on the call and, you know, come to find out she, she's an operations manager for H&M creative. But so you, you've had like a, de a, a definite, um, you know, you, you've done a, a lot of, you know, different things in your career. And, um, and I, I, I just, I love that about your story. So first question is, Tell me about if I told you like here I'm giving you a life resume. Not necessarily it could be a little bit of your career, could be your personal life. You know what's I'm giving you a life resume. What's on it? What What do you want people to know about Taylor Howard? I think something that's unique about the way my career started was that I wanted to be an actress. So when I was 19, I moved from Wisconsin to LA. And I did it by myself without knowing anybody. And I could have uh, had more of a support system, but I was like very, <laughs> I was very determined to do it by myself, even though people were like, we'll drive out there with you and, you know, we can help you uh, introduce you to some contacts. And I was like, no, this is my journey. I'm doing this on my own. And so at 19, I set out to be an actress. I put my all into it for two to three years here in Los wow. Angeles. And I slowly kind of fell out of love with that. I, I tried, I gave it my best, but over time, I got a little turned off from that industry. So I started looking for different avenues um, for a career path. And I didn't know what that was going to be, but I kind of fell into a tech startup. It wasn't necessarily intentional. I just had some friends there. 
got a job. It was entry level. It was night shift. So it was 5 p.m. till 2 in the morning was the Oof. shift that I worked. Brutal. And it was pretty like routine work, nothing too difficult. But the culture and the rate that we were growing as a company ended up serving me really well. I had a lot of opportunities to kind of grow up into like into a management role. And once I became a manager for the first time, everything just sort of clicked. And everything made sense for me. And then I could see a career path unfolding where if I stay with team leadership, I might be happy for the rest of my career. And so that's where I'm at now. I, I since moved on from that startup, but I'm still focusing on team management and I work in retail right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you know, what, what do you think um, early on, like, made you want to become an actress everybody hears those stories like i just i want to do it but nobody actually does it like the fact that you did it without any help and you you were convinced that that was your path like what you know was it a movie like did did you what was the why yeah why uh part of it was being young and just going with the first thing that sounded okay to me i I hadn't really worked out that function of thinking about a long-term strategy I enjoyed doing theater in high school. Um, I had a couple of experiences doing short films just for friends and like as a a student short film, thought it was amazing. And I thought, well, I I don't know what else I'm going to do. So so why not this? And so it was a little bit of uh, spontaneity which is something that I've since had to kind of grow, grow up from and mature from. Sometimes you need to think about your decisions first. Um, so that's part of it. But <laughs> there's also an underlying theme of I'm pretty sensitive and, and I'm an emotional person. And so acting just made sense for me because I get to see other people's stories and tell them for them and tell those mm. stories on the screen. And so I just thought that was like, the best way that I could channel my empathy, but then also turn it into a career. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. What, um, you know, what, when in your, just kind of like in, when you're, I don't know, with your friends or kind of like just even not at work, just like you, you talked about like being an emotional person, like, you know, how does that play out um, kind of either in your, you know, relationships with friends, maybe family, maybe, outside of the workplace, like, you know, having that emotional quality about you? It, it depends on the context. Like if I'm watching TV with my husband and a commercial comes on TV, that's really, you know, it, it's, it's trying to persuade you. It's trying to tell a really sad story. I'll just start bawling. Like I, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't not cry when I see other people cry. So that's part of it. Like, I don't even have to know someone. It could be a stranger on the street. And if they somehow struck up a conversation with me and started crying, I would cry too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that, that's definitely part of it. Um, but, you know, it, it has its limits. Like, there's times when you need to sort of separate yourself from your emotions and make a decision mm-hmm. regardless of how um, – it might make you feel whether it makes you feel angry or sad or something else. And, and that just came with time and experience. So it's not like it's something I can't control, but when I think about myself and who I am, I, I'm a sensitive person and I, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm even proud of it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the last thing you said is yeah, proud of it. Cause a lot of people view it as, I don't know. I mean, emotional is a, is, is, is could be everything. It's, it's joy. It's, it's sadness. It's, you know, it's, it's just all ever, all of your emotions in one and people define us as, um, 
you know, that person's an emotional person if they're showing it. Um, but if you're not, I mean, we all have them. So what's, why, why do we view that as a bad thing if we show them, you know, um, in, in my opinion, I don't know what you think, but, um, I love that you said you're proud of it. Um, all right. Well, you know, so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, this is kind of, I want to, you know, people to kind of see for themselves that, um, you know, their roles in their careers and when they're, you know, we're just interacting with others, we're all in a way influencing people's lives. We have the opportunity to, we have the opportunity to every single day where we, we have situations where, you know, we may create change in, in people's lives. We don't even realize we're doing it. So was there any times in your life where, you know, I don't know, maybe, um, I mean, you, you did it as a, um, a, you know, wanting to be an actress. You convinced, you know, this is this is what I want to do. You convinced yourself of that, but um, I don't know. Can you think of um, maybe some some ways that you're, I don't know, kind of influencing people outside of just what you do for your career? I think I found with time that the people you influence the most won't tell you. And it, it's not mm-hmm. like it's uh, an intentional step, but you can just be mm-hmm. really moved and inspired and influenced by someone, but they're not going to reach out and tell you, hey, by mm-hmm. the way, I just really wanted to say mm-hmm. thank you. I appreciate that. And a story that I can think about is when I first started at this startup that I mentioned, and it was the night shift, we had a really tight knit crew of friends because it was such an oddball kind of job. It was weird hours that we created this almost like a team kind of environment. I mean, of course it's a work team, but I mean more like a sports team, the way you get really close to one another. And I made a friend with someone who sat next to me. We had uh, like our own desks and whatnot. And we always talked and we we bonded over some things about the film industry, like scripts that we liked or uh, certain directors that we liked, whatever, how friends talk and have things in common. And throughout the years, I stayed at this company for almost seven years and that person stayed too. On my last day at that job, that person came up to me and gave me this huge bear hug and he almost had tears in his eyes and he told me how much my friendship had meant to him because he was starting his journey of sobriety for the first time, but he didn't tell anyone about it. And he was really struggling and he was new to the job, just like I was kind of new to the job. And he told me how much that friendship meant to him and how like in his own mind, he thought he was kind of unstable or kind of like fighting his own demons. And I just saw like a a nice person that we had things in common with. So in that way, I I influenced him, but I didn't know it. And like seven years later, he's giving me this hug, almost crying, telling me how much it meant to him. I'm like, how how many other people are we all influencing every day? We have no idea that we are. Yeah. I mean, man, we can go so deep into that because I mean, I think it's almost better that we don't think that we are you know, and we know that we don't, like, that's not our goal, you know, it's, it's genuinely, I mean, you were just looking at him as a, as like, just, you know, somebody you wanted to befriend, and, and, you know, somebody that you, um, you know, you wanted to build a closest with a, on a team, like you said, you had that kind of uh, sports team mentality, you were just approaching him with kindness, and then all of a sudden, you know, that person, that, that, that person's other view of you is, could be so wildly different than maybe 
what you thought the dynamics of your relationship, you know, really is. But I yeah, bet you that, like, how did that make you feel, like, when that guy did that to you? <laughs> Give me the bear hug. I mean, it's like everything. I mean, I, I was touched. I, I was touched, but I also felt like I almost wish I could go back in time. Yeah, and yeah, even yeah. In, even though he was saying thank you and appreciating the way I treated him, it's almost like I wanted to go back in time and be like, but could I have treated him better? Because I didn't know that he was struggling. If I'd known he was struggling, yeah, would I, I have talked yeah. to him differently? Yeah. But then maybe that would have kind of ruined the magic because no one, no one wants to be pitied. They want to yeah. be treated with respect and uh, dignity, even if they're dealing with something really hard. Do you know what I think to that? Like you're making me think that story. It's like, you know, the connection was there already. Like, so even if you went back and like, maybe you could have said something to get him to admit to you or, 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 or you know, kind of open up in that way to you. Um, but just, be, just because he didn't doesn't mean the um, door wasn't open for him to do it. It just means that the situation didn't present itself to do it. You know, that doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, mean he wouldn't have if, if that were there. Like, and, and maybe that's what it should be, is that you, you're not trying to open up a door, you're just, you know, genuinely, you know, getting to know that person on a personal level. And, and obviously, it can come back to you years later, if, if that's your intent, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love it. So you are, um, you know, you lead a team um, at H&M. Um, what... Um, you know, you said you got into a, the, the tech startup world and you kind of, you know, you got put into this leadership role. I don't know if it was kind of like um, you were going for it. It was kind of like put on you. Um, I feel like a lot of leaders, um, unfortunately, are it, it is put on to them and they they say, okay, now I'm a leader and I have to become one. And that's a, a much harder task than someone's like, wow, I'm, I'm emotionally excited about like just making people better. The best leaders, I feel like, you know, it's just your only job is to help people under you become better versions of, of who they are. Um, and it's not about you. So what um, like really excites you about leadership um, that you get to do every day? That's a good question. Well, one of the things that excites me is that you get to be a part of these people's lives in a way mm-hmm. that might affect them long after you're working together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you might be a mentor to them, but I always struggle with that word a little bit because when I first took over my first team, and it was a very small team, only two people, I was younger than them. So it just felt a little weird to say, I'm going to be your mentor now. So <laughs> while, <laughs> while people definitely can use that word and it probably applies to their circumstance, for me, it was more like, maybe we'll become friends. And, and there is a certain level of uh, power dynamics because if you're in management, you can make pretty hefty decisions that can affect someone's lives. So that's a power dynamic that's there. But at the same time, can I also somehow befriend you so that you want to be a better version of yourself? Like you were saying, you feel comfortable and safe telling me about things that you're struggling with because it might affect you in the office. And sometimes it's just easier to say it rather than compartmentalize and say, I'm dealing with something hard, but I'm never going to tell my boss. Sometimes it's easier to just say, actually, I would love to tell my boss because then they would know I'm I'm having a hard time being motivated. So I think that's something I like about leadership, just getting to be that person's uh, sounding board. Um, Sometimes I have the ability to coach and mentor, but more than anything, it's like 
it's almost like we're on the same level, but if you need someone to talk to, talk to me anytime. Yeah. I love that. You know, I think, um, you know, there's, I've, I've seen a lot in my career, um, different styles and I feel like everyone has a, has a certain style, but, um, I, I feel like the best ones that I've had, you felt that they, you know, they, 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 they took the initiative before you asked them, like they, you know, that you, you thought that no matter what, like they were always the person, if you weren't in the room, they were talking on your behalf. They were advocating on you. They were thinking, they went home thinking about you. Um, like what could they do? They, like, it was, it wasn't like scheduled. It, you know, your interactions weren't, um, a box to check. It was a person to, yeah, you know, inspire or motivate. And so, um, you know, I'm curious, so <laughs> when you are working with, um, you know, people on your teams, um, what do you think, I mean, you wrote, I think you wrote a really beautiful article, by the way, on, on, you know, some, some even mistakes you've had, you know, as a manager. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, um, advice do you have for people that, um, are getting into, um, leadership and not, you know, seeing the results that they necessarily need to from their teams. Um, what um, things can they do? And how, how should they be approaching their, you know, the people that are, are working for them? Right. And that's probably most first-time managers. Like most first-time managers will be inheriting a team that's probably not reaching their goals. And it, just by nature of once the team grows to a certain size, it's like it's almost like statistical that not every single person is going to be an A player. Um, so I, I guess my advice would be to not be afraid to consult people, like consult the people that are directly reporting to you and kind of say, hey, if you were in my shoes and you were the manager of this team and you notice that some people are reaching goals and some people aren't, what would you do? And you kind of give the other person an opportunity to show that they're intelligent, they're rational, they can think reasonably, and maybe they're even one of the individuals that aren't reaching the goals, but by giving them a chance to save face and kind of defend their position, they're going to be that much more likely to collaborate with you on how to start reaching their goals. And that is one of the mistakes that I made and, and I wrote about in that article that I alluded to where I, I started thinking that because I'm in this position it's almost like I make better decisions than other people, which is extremely arrogant, but I know I'm not alone and a lot of managers deal with this too, because it's really flattering to be given a team and to say, I look, I look to you as a leader. That's why you're in this position. So mm -hmm. then you start thinking, yeah, I am a leader and they need me and I'm going to charge forth and they'll follow me into the night. And it <laughs> just leads you to such a terrible place. Like everyone is going to resent you if that's your attitude, but you kind of tell yourself a different story because you're the hero of your own story. So to combat, to combat that, I would say just always be consulting the people that are reporting to you and treat their opinions with utmost respect, even if they're different, because just by asking them and inviting them in, they're going to be more likely to, side with you and be an ally yeah i've had you know yeah i just I, I remember i've had a lot of like um discussions throughout my career where um it wasn't a cons it, it didn't seem like a consultative kind of thing it was like okay you know that's a that 
you know, your, your point is heard and um, we'll, we'll definitely work on that, you know, and then, and then it was like you they said, don't. just charging on, they don't, <laughs> and then it's charging on into the night. And, you know, it's, I always say like, I don't need my, all my um, ideas um, to be implemented by any means, like as a, as an employee, I, I, I just want to know that not only that you heard it, but, or listened to it, but that you, you know, I don't have the same exposure to executive leadership that you do. So you're, you're our voice. You have to speak for us when we can. So I at least want to know, you know, give me some visibility into that. Hey, I brought your idea up and I, you know, I sold it. Like sometimes you have to sell other people's ideas, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so what do you, you know, maybe the question would be for you, like, how do you, um, you know, go about, um, you know, needing to, um, you know, yeah, take someone else's idea and, and bring it to your, your leaders. What are things you're thinking about? You know, because they, it's not them in the room selling it for themselves. How do you, how do you view that kind of dynamic? Right. I always try to add as many details as I can to kind of paint a picture because mm -hmm. once you get removed from the day-to-day -day work, you forget how frustrating even the smallest of things like how things can just get in your way and block you from doing a good job when all you're doing is kind of task focused work. Of course, it depends what kind of team you're managing, but I'm used to managing people who are doing sort of like routines or repetitive work rather than them being in meetings all day. So I would always like to paint the picture of like, hey, so-and-so has this idea you know, they get to work at nine o'clock by nine 30, they're already frustrated because this got in the way and, you know, they have eight more hours to go. So if we could just remove this one little thing, it would make this person's life easier. And so now I've, I've kind of simplified it. I've told the story, but I also try to really focus on the person because mm -hmm. it, it just makes it personal and everyone has a heart for personal stories. So I guess it's a little bit of that emotion I'm trying to bring into it as well. But, you know, if that doesn't work to the person, like the audience that I'm pitching it to, like if they only want the facts and the data, then that's what I would do too. But yeah, I always yeah. kind of challenge people who say that because I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still pretty sure that most people resonate with stories. No, I, 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 I totally, totally agree. Like, I think, you know, when you simplify, like you, you can, that person can see themselves and maybe if they even worked that job before, like you're, you're showing them the pain. You know, you're showing them, yeah, you can weave it in with numbers, but like, I, you know, per, you know, a personal story connects, um, you know, and the, the numbers can support that, that as well, I think. But the, the, emo the, the personal story is like, hits at the heartstrings and you go, oh, yeah, why are we, why are we making that person? We, we're not hopefully running, you know, the, the executives don't think we're running a, a slave ship <laughs> they, they have you know you connected to your missions and values but um i i completely agree um kind of rounding off what you do as a leader um you know have, do you because i love like your your approach is just very very much personal very much you know without agenda i, I think a lot of people that i've had on this is have, have said the same things um so i'm really curious just because um Anytime I talk to a coach or someone that's leading people, you have these moments where you, 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 you let off with it in the beginning. This guy, you, you were just kind of befriending him and you didn't, you didn't realize you made, the, you made this impact on his life. You know, have you had the same type of thing in a leader kind of um, 
um, mentee relationship or, you know, in a relationship with a, you know, someone reporting to you where you saw them grow, you saw them be a better version of themselves and, and, you know, what, um, how did that play itself out? And, you know, um, anything that you can think of there. With someone who was reporting to me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe little things, like little things where you've said something and maybe somebody, um, you didn't think you were necessarily influencing change, but they maybe, you know, changed direction. I know you wrote something about your team changing or your whole entire team changing, but I'm wondering if you've done it on an individual level as well. Yeah, definitely. It it always kind of surprises you because it it's the things that you think you say that are so eloquent and moving usually don't end up moving people. And then the times when you're not, you're not really thinking, yeah, you're just yes. being yourself and something comes out yeah, yeah, yeah. with someone. Yeah. So I always had routine one-on-one meetings uh, with my team when it was more of like an office job type setting. And we'd meet sometimes every two weeks, every three weeks, it would depend on the individual. And I always would like to get them thinking about what's next for them in their career. Mm-hmm. And it usually terrified people because these are entry-level employees or if they're not entry level it's like um entry level for that company uh not necessarily minimum wage is what i mean and it it just kind of terrifies them because they're like well i just got this job and i'm still trying to prove myself and you know i don't want to give you the wrong impression that i'm trying to leave i'm like no it's okay i give you permission like everyone wants to be somewhere six months from now or a year so like what are you interested in and what would you like to do I'm kind of just spitballing and asking open-ended questions and usually they don't have the answer because again they they might be like 22 years old and fresh out of college (laughs) (laughs) and then we'd meet for our next one-on-one let's say it's three weeks later and we'll be talking about a different subject and one time someone came back to me and he said hey remember when you asked me that question about what where I'd like to go and I had no answer I was like yeah yeah I mean it's fine you you can still have no answer if you don't he's like no actually I really thought about it and I wanted to thank you for bringing it up I I think that this would be really interesting and he brought up a position on a different team but within the same company and he's like I'm not saying I'm gonna jump ship but I appreciate you bringing it up and maybe one day to that team Wow. And I'm not thinking that I did anything special. I mean, I still no, don't think yeah. I did anything special, but wow. he really thought about that question and it, it almost like bothered him. And that's why he came back with an answer. I, I, oh man, I, I, that really makes me smile because I mean, yeah, like when you have a, like a dynamic with a leader where you're afraid to, to say anything or like you're, you have a fear of your job, if you're saying something wrong, then like that's a terrible place to work. You're always you're you're not happy, you know. Then mm-hmm. you're you're always kind of it's not a safe place to work. You're just there for the money, and that's it. But you know that person, like you know, whether or not they leave, like that's that's a lifelong relationship. Because if you help that person get another job somewhere else, you know, and and it was the right thing for them, like years later, you could be working together in a different capacity. You know, it it you're not just thinking about that, that moment right there. You were, you know, and, and I remember you said, like, I don't think I did anything to it. Like, no, you, you, he, cha- he was challenging himself. He never, he never might've challenged himself. Like that's the, that's where growth happens is when we're, you know, really challenging ourselves. If no one sometimes, sometimes we need that nudge from somebody to do it. But if, you know, yeah, that's, it's so funny that you were kind of just like 
yeah, I just asked a simple question, like, not like, hey, this is a, this is our annual performance review, and where do you see yourself in five years? Um, it was more like, yeah, what do you, you know, where do you want to be? What excites you? Where do you want to learn? I think somebody told me once, um, I'm going to shout out Christine Rogers from, um, you know, Aspireship. She said, a better question than where do you want to be in five years is, what do you want to learn hmm. in a year or two years? Where, you know, because, because that, that really challenges, like, what we, we all want to grow. We don't want to be stagnant, you know? Who knows where we're going to be in five years? Coronavirus is going on. I don't know where I'm going to be <laughs> a week or two from now, you know, with this thing that's changing. Um, Questions but, you know, like that are so good, too, because yeah. it just gets your creativity wheels yeah. turning. Like, even when you yeah. asked that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to answer that question. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's tough. Like I, those are tough. Like, I don't know things where those no, I don't know. I don't have an answer for questions. Like, what do you care about? What do you love about your work? What excites you? Like, you know, you end up answering it like just by like randomly spewing stuff. And then all of a sudden you say something that, <laughs> that like, you know, touches on a, an emotion or something. Right. Um, you know, Taylor, I could talk to you for a whole long time. Um, what are some things just kind of ending off kind of, you know, that you would, um, I mean, this is all just about, I think how we're all, you know, um, we all have the ability to like this, this whole entire talk has kind of been about how you've kind of, you know, touched and kind of, you know, helped others see maybe things they didn't see in themselves without, you know, realizing it and you were using things like empathy and you know just kind of uh, just being a kind person you know do you have any just kind of last bits of things like little things like for maybe a somebody like yourself that maybe wouldn't necessarily consider themselves in sales but what what things can they you know how should they approach their interactions with others what what's your philosophy what do you think is um, a good way for people to consider their their uh, conversations with others when they're, when they're persuading people or influencing For sure. I think one of the best ways to really work with people and kind of win them over to your side is to just be interested in them. Just, just ask them a lot of questions about themselves and listen to the answers. And when they give you a little valuable nugget, like let's say you didn't know someone had kids and you find out the names of their kids, the next time you see them, let's say it's two weeks from then, ask them about their kids and so that's it's proof that you listen and, and that's all people really want is just if I'm going to talk are you going to listen and then are you going to prove it to me because that's how you build trust and so a lot of managers kind of make the initial right steps I think they ask interesting questions and they maybe hold one-on-one -on -one meetings but then what do you do the next time you see them because if it's as if you never had that first conversation it's a really weird feeling. It's almost like you, 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 you disappeared a little bit and, and everyone just wants to be noticed and acknowledged and recognized, especially at work. I mean, all the time, but especially at work, you just want to know that like your manager sees you and they see you as a whole person. For sure. For sure. I, you, you made me think of a story. I, I would see my CEO at one of my old companies in the, in the cafeteria, you know, um, it was, it was a, a company where you, everybody went to the cafeteria and I'd see him all the time. And, you know, you don't really know your CEO that well, but you'd shake his hand. And, um, but every time I'd shake the guy's hand, he'd be like, Oh, great to meet you. Great, great, great to meet you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm Alex. Like just, you know, I know you probably meet hundreds of people, but I mean, eventually you're going to recognize my face and just be like, Oh, like 
maybe you know like if you just ask like how how are you like where, where are you from tell me about yourself like you you'd, you'd remember maybe not my full name or everything about me but something about me you'd, you'd probably eventually you know a face to a story you you connect that so i always like to say um you know my i have a quote it's kind of like when pe- in business when the people uh, people you work with they will give you a chance to be a real person and when they do take it because good things will only happen for them just being a real person and that's agreed where business can you know happen um by doing that so all right last question taylor um you know because i think selling is just about how we're all unique individuals and we're all different and um, you can have sales methodologies we talked about a few good tips on interpersonal communications but um since we're all different people i like to ask a fun question all right you ready for it so (laughs) this is um what is something that would only and could only happen to Taylor Howard. Maybe it's an event in your life or just something, you know, crazy that is something quirky about you. Let's see. What is something that could only happen to me? I feel like it has, it has to be something to do with being really tall. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am really tall. Not that you know that over just listening to a podcast, but I'm 5'11". So I frequently get stopped and asked, if I played basketball. <laughs> this is like, this doesn't happen to people who are five, six. It only happens to me because I'm almost six feet tall. <laughs> Have you gotten mistaken for any certain professional basketball players or actresses? No, but every now and then actresses is what I was going to say. I, I'm not sure if it's mistaken, but I, two or three times I've been asked like, are you, do, do I know, are you someone that I should know? <laughs> And being in LA, you know, tall, um, you know. I think that's part of it. It's just, you you start to see, you think that you start to see celebrities or stars just because you know you're living in LA, but you're not. Like, you're just seeing regular people. (laughs) (laughs) Regular people to many, but um, exceptional people to people that know you, Taylor. And I hope we, you know, many people will get to know you through this. So thank you so much. That's very sweet. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Where can people like uh, find out more about you, connect with you, learn more about you? People can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I am, you know, most weekdays, Monday through Friday. I almost treat it like my my second job. <laughs> so you can follow me on there. You can send me a connect request. And you can send me a connect request that says something personal because those are the ones I always respond to first. I love it. Do it. Yes, please. Do not connect and pitch with uh, Taylor. Just be a real person and I bet you she'll be one back. So, all right. Well, Taylor Howard, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, It's been a really, really great pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you, Alex. Hey gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.